The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 173rd ever show of All Around Sports. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights lowlights, some bizarre news items from this past week, and joining us right off the top will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, to discuss college football, and A.P., how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, John. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama on a sunny day. Sunny day? Sunny day, you sure is. I'm glad to hear that, and uh, today, in honor of the first ever college football playoff system. We're going to do things a little differently, and we're just going to uh, take a walk through the most recent college football poll. We're only a couple weeks away now from them announcing the genuine final Final Four. So I just thought uh, it would be a good time to just step back, take a look at the latest poll, and talk about uh, how we think it might unfold. Yeah, John. I mean, the whole season has been one big playoff, I believe. And uh, people have already started to interject their idea of maybe having eight teams and and not too long in the future. But I I believe that four teams is the correct number, and it's playoff football every Saturday beginning in August. It really is. You know, I I think we can easily say at this point that the new CFP has enhanced the regular season, which was already the best regular season of all in all of sports, and it just seems now even better. It just seems to have a weekly, you know, hold your breath quality to it. Uh, games already feel like playoff games, and uh, you know, I like the new show they have on every Tuesday night where they announce, you know, the top twenty-five, but more importantly, the top four teams that ostensibly would make the playoff were they to be played, you know, that that week. But we're going to get there on December 7th when they will announce the actual four playoff teams. But, yeah, it just feels like, you know, I, I think the first one that really truly felt like 
a playoff game was a couple weeks ago with the Auburn Ole Miss game, and uh, I don't think any of us will soon forget that game, and certainly not the ending when the guy got hurt as he was literally crossing the goal line just short. Uh, but you were, you covered what was clearly uh, a playoff game of sorts, the Mississippi State out Alabama game. What were your thoughts? It must have been unbelievable. John, I, I noticed something right from the first uh, snap of the ball that it seemed like Alabama's defensive line was focused in on maintaining their lane integrity. It wasn't a jailhouse break type of situation chasing down that Prescott. So when I saw that type of uh, you know game planning and the execution by the players themselves on the field, I, I thought Mississippi State would have a rough day. And indeed they did. Uh, you know, it was Alabama just... As Jeff Long said from the CFP, the spokesperson on Tuesday night's uh, Top 25 show, that, you know, he used the word decisive in describing uh, how Alabama generally controlled the game throughout. But then he also, you know, made the notation uh, that at the end of the game, it was still a one-score game, you know, and that Mississippi State did not give up and, and, in fact, had a chance to, uh, you know, to win the game at the end. Uh, although it never seemed like it was going to happen, but uh, I thought it was just an interesting, you know, way to look at it both ways, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're Mississippi State fans, I mean, you... you you couldn't. There wasn't much you could do about the outcome at the end, but maybe their coach made a strategic move to make sure that he scored that touchdown to stay within five points and put that in the mind of those twelve committee members. And I, I think maybe it might have paid dividends for them because they ended up fourth in the poll this week, so they're still right in the playoff hunt, and they just have to win at Ole Miss which would be a difficult task and big rivalry game. But uh, maybe he did the correct thing. Well, exactly. You know, he, there's no other way to look at it the way I look at it is that, you know, they, they, they finished in the Final Four. Um, so that, again, just like you said, if, if the playoff were decided on this week's poll, they'd be in it. So I think he gave a lot of credence to – the type of season they've had, the fact that even though Alabama controlled the game, and you were there, you would know better than me uh, <clears throat> that you know they they didn't give up, and they actually you know had it as a one-score game at the end, and uh, you know could have theoretically won the game. Um, so you know the human element is really at play here. It's not like a computer anymore, which used to be a big complaint, certainly pre-BCS and even to a large degree during the BCS era. But now it's really uh, a lot of people just administering the eye test and and you know voting on what they see and how they feel. The game was actually played. I like it. I think it's you know I think it's what we've all been looking for for decades. John, it is going to be incredible 
when they come out with that final poll, it, you know, if we can project a little bit at this moment, if Mississippi State continues to win, and of course Alabama has to win, win out uh, these next couple of ball games and the SEC championship, will two SEC teams in the very first college football playoff make that final four? And some people, the conspiracy theorists, in a strange way, think that the whole college football system was set up to prevent two SEC teams in the playoffs. And despite their efforts, maybe that happens. Correct, correct. Uh, well, you know, I, and, and I think, and you touched on this at the top of the show, that uh, I think there'll be a, uh, I think it's going to go to eight teams really quickly. It feels already like it's set up for that. You know, there's already, we know that the semifinals on New Year's Day, evening and night, are going to be the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl. Uh but that there are other bowls, quote, in the, in the rotation, meaning that, uh, to me, that, that just means, the minute I saw it, I just thought, well, that, that just, you know, makes it easier to go to eight teams, potentially as quickly as next year, which I'm already hearing now, and you, you, you've obviously been hearing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I know the goal of the presidents was to keep it within the academic calendar year, so... I'm not sure how that would could be arranged, John, for that those eight teams to to complete the playoffs within that academic calendar. Yeah, I found myself thinking about that uh, when I heard about the eight team format potentially, you know, uh, coming sooner than we thought. But that's a subject that we need to get into just a little deeper. But we are up against our break. So my co-host, Lemont Williams, my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, let's take our break now, and when we come back on the other side, we'll talk a little bit about uh, how they might get into an eight-team format. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, 
Let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast dot net. And still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, Hello. AP Stedham of Bama Magazine. And AP, we were talking about the new college football playoff format, and we're devoting our show to uh, the polls and talking about the Final Four and the like. But already there's discussion about uh, it potentially getting to eight teams sooner rather than later. And I found myself thinking that, you know, a couple things. This year, for instance, the CFP has made it perfectly clear they want to own New Year's Day, take it back, so to speak. So as we mentioned earlier, both playoff semifinal games are the evening and the night of New Year's Day, January 1. So... And the game itself, the college national championship game, is on Monday, January 12th. That's obviously a 12-day gap. So just thinking to myself, how would they go to an eight-team format, meaning adding a couple more games, you know, how would that work? Uh, But you raise an interesting point. I was unfamiliar with this academic year. Could you explain that a bit? Yeah, the academic year, I mean, actually, when they're playing this game on the 12th, I think some schools, that might be the day they're headed back to school. So they, some of them, like, for instance, when Alabama was in the championship few years, but they postponed classes for a day or two so the students could, some of them could attend the game. So it's a tight, uh, you know, little window that you have to complete the national championship. Now, I don't know if they want to do this, but you could uh, play the game, let's say, a week after the championship games for the leagues, but then you're up against the exam schedules. 
that take place usually that following week or the prior week. You know, for some schools, prior week, some schools, it's after that. So I, I just don't envision a good uh, solution unless you're beginning the college football season earlier in the year. That's interesting. Food for thought. I mean, I guess I found myself thinking, you know, that they would play the, quote, quarterfinal games, you know, in mid to late December. And then, you know, but I wasn't thinking about the exam schedule, quite truthfully. Uh, but play those in mid to late December and then, you know, still keep that semi, those semifinal games on New Year's night, which I, sounds like they absolutely want to own that night. And then, uh, and then, you know, but that's that's an interesting point. Yeah, exams are typically in that sort of what December tenth through twentieth time frame. I take it at most schools, leading up into right. the holidays. And of course, you're into just simply the question of you know not wanting to really have the quarterfinals if they you know if that's what they were to be called during holiday week either. So it's you know it's a pretty tight window, <clears throat> you know after exams but before Christmas, uh, and obviously it would change with the calendar as well. So tricky stuff, but you know I'm sure they you know I really believe it's going to come. I, I you know and I believe it could come as early as next year. And you know uh, I don't know how they're going to do it, but uh, again it, it's. You know, greater minds than mine will be figuring it out. That's for sure. Yeah, John. I mean, I'm sure there's there's going to be an effort, and they probably already have a a plan that they've circulated and discussed and evaluated. I mean, if you you want to move those games back like the week before of the New Year's Day, then you know you're getting to that uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas. Uh, the day before Christmas Eve. I mean, there are bowl games played on those days. I mean, all through December, they they, they start. I mean, that's for sure. You know, starting that's good point. Uh, December 20th. So it could be done, but how much are you willing to bump up against, you know, Christmas Eve? Yeah, I wonder if they would just do something like, you know, make it the week, the weekend before Christmas, whatever it is. Just something like that. Um, I mean, the minute I saw that the semifinal games were going to be rotated among, I think, four or five different bowls, you know, the Orange, the Fiesta, and I believe the Peach, uh, that was my first thought. You, you know, it's it's already being set up for expansion. Like, there, there's already, you know, a group of bowls in on this. So um, I just think that, you know, Somehow they they've already given a lot of thought to it, and uh, you know, and that I think it's going to get implemented sooner rather than later. I really believe that. There's so much money to be made. This thing is already. You and I, no one, no no, two people have you know, espoused how big this is going to become more than you and I going back you know to when it was really brought into being earlier this year and made official, but. Without a doubt, it's even bigger than you and I expected, or anyone else for that matter. It's just taken on a life of its own, and we're not even like, you know, we're not even there yet. We're, we're only like three or four weeks into the actual polls being announced and whatnot. 
haven't even had the first playoff, but yet this thing has just become already just gigantic. Yeah. John, I mean, do you think, and I haven't broached this subject with anybody, but maybe that first quarter final game would be on, on campus. Right, like the higher-ranked team would host. Right. To eliminate travel, yeah. And that's an interesting thought, although I don't know what that does to the bowl games. Um, yeah, I mean, they try to include everyone in the process, and uh, that step would leave out quite a few people. Correct, correct. I mean, theoretically, the bowl games could take, you know, the losers, if you will, of the quarterfinals, which would still be, you know, we're talking teams, you know, around the top ten, or, the, you know, probably teams between eight and fifteen, in there, so highly ranked, obviously well-known teams, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds because it's again a lot of buzz. Just you know, it just surfaced this week as a, as a pretty big story, and I think that's just the beginning. I think it's really going to become bigger and bigger, and I think how it's going to unfold with you know this year's four-team format will play a major role and. Uh, just see how that all goes, but it's going to be uh, it's going to be fascinating. But why don't we just come back to the reality that is this year's bowl and uh, this year's college football playoff, and you know, talk about just the four teams. I mean, Florida State—they're clearly, you know, in uh, in their eyes, I'm sure, being you know disrespected, as it were. They're the only undefeated team left, and uh, you know, but yet they're number three, I believe. So they're just simply, uh, you know, their schedule, their conference, whatever, is just not being highly thought of. The fact that they, you know, seem to be behind at halftime of a lot of games, and then they've come back and won every single one of them. Um, but, uh, you know, that already is in and of itself a pretty fascinating situation. Yeah, John, I think the most uh, relevant statements I've heard or read recently was Bobby Bowden advocating for the Seminoles. He was saying that there's much speculation about these other teams with one losses and how they're playing at the moment, but you cannot... Uh, discard a team that's undefeated. There's no speculation. They're undefeated. So I thought that was a strong moment for Bobby Bowden in his defense of uh, his former team. Yeah, where I've come down on this is, you know, and I've kind of come full circle, uh, you know, after watching them against Miami, you know, I became a bit of a believer. You know, there's just no ignoring the fact that, you know, they've won – whatever, 24 in a row. They haven't lost in two years. Jameis Winston has never lost a college game. And, you know, I don't penalize them for falling behind and coming back. I I actually, my respect for them, especially, you know, after the Miami game just has grown. Like, wow, you know, what they're doing is, is pretty special, actually. And... Bottom line, I, I've just come to the point now where I, I'm, ro- you know, I'm rooting for the 
what I'll call the clash of the titans. I, I want to see Florida State and Alabama. I think most of America would agree that they're just like the two best teams. I think if you took it to a public vote, I, th- I think that's where we've kind of settled, that everybody would just love to see those two teams. And uh, because they're polarizing. I mean, Florida State's polarizing. And, you know, it's the old, you're going to watch them if you don't like them, and you're going to watch them if you love them. But you're going to watch them, that's for sure. And if it's Alabama against them, given their history, the fact they're number one, and all of it, the recent dynasty, just on and on and on, that becomes uh, an absolute ratings blockbuster in my mind. Yeah, I think the storylines are are plentiful with Jameis Winston being from the state of Alabama, and Alabama recruited him heavily. Uh, Jimbo Fisher was the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban at LSU, and he considers him his best offensive coordinator. He's, he's made that statement. I don't know if that'll change after this season with Lane Kiffin. Uh, uh, the, the, they're neighboring states. They recruit the same players. There's a crossover in that situation. Uh, you know, James Winston is a uh, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, I don't know if Amari Cooper can reach that level, but he's in the in the in the mix for that award this year. So yeah, it'd be great to see those two teams lock up, and uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm sure television would would uh, applaud that, that matchup. Yes, well, you know, uh, it could certainly happen with you know. Oregon and Florida State seemingly, you know, in that two versus three, two and three spot. So the way the new format will be, well, you know, number one team will play number four team, number two team will play number three team. So that gets, that puts Alabama and Florida State on opposite sides of the bracket uh, right off the bat. And I, again, I just think that, you know, and you're, you know, great, great perspective on the storylines. I certainly you know, was familiar with the Jameis Winston storyline, him being from Alabama, but uh, you know, the other ones you mentioned, you know, enhance it even more. So uh, it's going to be exciting, no doubt about it. And talking about exciting and interesting, there was actually a poll came out this week, not a poll, excuse me, just a list for uh, on the salaries of college football coaches, and I found it pretty interesting, and uh, we're going to walk through that on the other side. It's very uh, appropriate to this overall CFP conversation, and uh, so let's take our break now, and we'll talk a little coach of salaries on the other side. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. 
Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to Segment 3 of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., they uh, came out with the list of college football coaches' salaries. No surprise and well-earned, I might add, is right at the top. Nick Saban, earning uh, a little over $7 million a year, which is uh, about a million and a half more than... Number two, which is Mark D'Antonio of Michigan State, which I found interesting. Uh, why don't we start with Nick Saban? You cover Alabama. You know him like the back of your hand. And, uh, you know, it's. I heard the president say a while back, I believe at some point earlier this year, maybe when they extended him, that it's the best money the university's ever spent. Uh, I, for one, would have to agree. Yeah, I agree totally, John. I mean, what he's done for the University of Alabama, I think he's taken it from a regional power uh, to a a brand name that's recognized across the country. Yes, I agree. Um, It's always been that way for decades, obviously, since Bear Bryant. But now it has. It's just risen, you know. To the top of top of the mountain, uh, they are the standard, you know, and, and they had the history to back it up. So, with their recent three national championships under Saban, you know, you put that on top of the fabulous history, legendary history, and legendary coaches and players. You, you know, you have the brand name in college football, and. Uh, you know, they just—they're like the UCLA of basketball under John Wooden. They—they've kind of become that in my mind. That's about the only, you know, analogy that I can that I can think of. John, I'm telling you, and I don't know this. I mean, I haven't been in other parts of the country recently, but I mean, the biggest name in college football that you and I probably recall growing up was Notre Dame, but I'm not sure Alabama's. Very far behind him. 
Correct. The excellent, excellent example. Um, certainly, in this current climate, they have you know far surpassed Notre Dame. Um, you know, and I think you could literally and figuratively just go back to the national championship game a couple of years ago when they smoked them in the title game, and I think that just you know tells you all you need to know about where where both programs are at, at this current point, and particularly this year. You know, and they, and they have a nice resilience. But let me ask you this. I mean, you know, you were just there. Uh, the economic impact. I mean, I've just got to imagine Tuscaloosa for, you know, the Mississippi State game, the game for number one you covered. Uh, the economic impact has to just be enormous, in the, certainly in Tuscaloosa and the state in general. Yeah, John, you're correct. I mean, they get that 101-plus thousand every game, and the people are starting to come in on Wednesdays, and all the hotels are booked. And let's put it this way, John, they're not charging the usual prices. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure it's like a Super Bowl city. When they host the Super Bowl, you you can... I mean, uh, prices double, triple, if not more than they normally are, and, you know, advanced payment required as well, right? Yeah, all those things that you saw when you were going up around the Penn State area, just, you know, double, triple the prices, and uh, anywhere they could squeeze someone in, bed and breakfast, uh, a single room somewhere in a house, uh, a cottage by the lake or something. Everybody's renting, and they're they're, they're commanding uh, exorbitant prices. Yeah, and that's just the hospitality. I mean, that's just you know hotels and whatnot. It doesn't begin to talk about you know restaurants, which obviously are just off the charts. Needless to say, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, you know amazing. I mean, I even you know. Get a good feel for economic impact of a football game, just football team, just by being 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium. So I see it with the Patriots, and you know it's it's a different dynamic, of course, than college football. Yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly. Uh, people arrive on Wednesdays down there, huh? Oh yeah, they sure do, and, and they're staying. And, and and John, I didn't even speak to you about the people that can't get into the stadium. That's in the thousands as well, right? Exactly, yes. Yes. Is there a big, uh, like, Winnebago component to Alabama games? You know, John, uh, a few years, it was about 10 years ago, Alabama traveled to play Oklahoma. And they brought, I think, with a neighborhood of 350 to 400 RVs, which was more than the folks from Nebraska would bring when they would visit Norman. So that's an incredible number. Sure is. Wow. I wouldn't have known that. Uh, well, no question, Nick Saban earns his money uh, like no other. He deserves to be the number one guy, should be, and he is by a fairly large margin. Uh, I, I must admit, you know, I was a little surprised to see Mark D'Antonio, D'Antonio from Michigan State. I mean, if prior to this list coming out, if you had just said that, you know, I knew Nick Saban was number one, but if you said who's number two, I would not have gotten that correct. I don't know if you would have. No, John, I wouldn't have guessed that number. I would be thinking, you know, Bob Stoops, something like that. That's yeah, I might have, have thought. Guessed. 
I think my first thought would have been, you know, Charlie Strong with the new contract uh, over at Texas, and I, I had an awareness of, of course, Kevin Sumlin, uh, you know, being, again, extended, whatever. But, no, I would never have thought Mark D'Antonio. But, you know, I have no problem with it. I think what he's done with that program is pretty impressive. He has, you know, elevated them just a shade behind Ohio State in the Big Ten, and that's not an easy thing to do, meaning above Michigan, above Penn State, and above many other brand names, uh, Nebraska included. So, uh, yeah, I just found that interesting. But you mentioned Bob Stoops, and there he is at number three. Uh, you know, he's making over $5 million a year, and... Uh, you know, we're hearing his name a lot, by the way, for University of Florida coaching job. Um, a, a man in demand. So, uh, again, I, I think he's, you know, I, I think he's deserving. You know, I, I think he's earning his money, shall we say. I, I would say that he's uh, done very well in that league. Uh, I mean, if you're going to put it in that, uh, that those terms. And uh, on the national level, I would say he's been a disappointment, although he, he blasted Alabama in that Sugar Bowl game last year. So I know, I know that made the folks happy. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, but, but not having the greatest year. You know, if ever there was a time he might consider going to Florida, I think the timing is about right, actually. You know, I really do. If he's the type of guy that may be looking for a change, a challenge, whatever. You know, he, he could make the case that, you know, he, he's taken Oklahoma about as far as it can go, you know, and, uh, you know, this side of winning a national championship. So um, he, he would, you know, be leaving the program in good shape, and he would obviously, uh, I'm guessing he would jump to number two on the list if that were to happen. He, uh, John, he could surpass uh Nick Saban of Jeremy Foley was really trying to coax him down back to game, Gainesville where he was a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Well, good point. You're right about that. Um, that would be, yeah, maybe, maybe that will be where he wants to get would be something that sounds like, you know, $7.5 million, uh, to get to be the number one paid coach. But that still remains to be seen. Um, you know, Next two are right in the state of Texas, four and five, or Kevin Sumlin, over $5 million, and Charlie Strong, over $5 million. This includes, by the way, additional pay. Um, but, yeah, but Charlie Strong at number five is the only other – the top five get are paid $5 million or more. Other, after that, it drops below five. So, um Kevin Sumlin and Charlie Strong each earn $5 million in their job, and Kevin Sumlin earns just a little bit more uh, in other pay, they're, they're calling it. Um, but, yeah, well, you know, Kevin Sumlin, uh, neither have had great years. There's, there's no way to sugarcoat it. So, AP, yes, uh, seeing Texas A&M and 
Kevin Sumlin and Charlie Strong in Texas at number four and five. The last two of the top that earn five million a year. Uh, again, neither uh, neither is having a great year. No, and uh, Kevin Sumlin, I think, has got to revamp some of his his coaching uh, because his teams have been one trick only so far. Just offensive oriented team that defense is something they do not on Saturdays it seems I guess exactly well said <clears throat> well said um, yeah and their situation with the quarterback I mean Kenny Hill the throw Hill uh, you know he went from literally being practically the front runner for the Heisman after the first couple of weeks to you know what is he third fourth string now if that you know that's pretty bizarre there's no other way to say it Yet that maybe maybe the bizarre story of the year, John. Right? If you really step back and analyze it, I totally agree with you. It is you know stunning when you think about the first his first couple of games. They were just you know off the charts, and now he he's fallen off the cliff. There's you know, and they're playing whatever. I think they're third, maybe fourth string quarterback. So you know he's just disappeared. It's just crazy, you know. You rarely see that. Yeah, yeah. You might not see it for a long time. Exactly. And then Charlie Strong, first year at Texas. You know, he's clearly getting a grace period, no question. <clears throat> They've shown some signs of life. They seem to be a team that's improving. A lot to be said for that. Fascinating guy. He's a disciplinarian who has, you know, uh, probably thrown, what, half a dozen guys off the team, something like that, for disciplinary reasons. So he's a no-nonsense guy, and he's trying to establish a new culture down there. So clearly he's, uh, you know, he's, he's in a grace period, but wait to, it'll be interesting to see how long it lasts down in Austin. Yeah, I think he threw that half dozen off the team maybe <clears> in the first five minutes of his coaching yeah, <laughs> you're right. It might be a little more than that by now. <laughs> right, yeah. Absolutely. Well, AP, we're up against our final break, so why don't we take that now and we'll wrap up uh, a little more college football on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. 
In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. Still on the line with us is A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And, A.P., we just covered the top five coaches by salary in college football. And let's move on to the next five. So Urban Meyer at number six, uh, getting about $4.5 million. No surprise there. Same with LSU. Uh, Les Miles getting uh, about $4.4 million. James Franklin at Penn State. I wouldn't have necessarily... Known that, I didn't know that, that he's number the eighth best paid coach in America. But uh, given what he took on there, and, uh, you know, I think he's a man that's generally earning his money. I mean, they've had an up and down season, but then the NCAA surprised everybody by allowing them back in to be bowl eligible. And they've got their six wins, so it looks like they're going to be headed to a bowl. So I'd have to say that James Franklin uh, at number eight. For his first year, you know, has generally been earning his money. It's still a pretty tough situation down there. Yeah, I think so, John. Uh, I might have maybe approached it a little differently if you, if you can present have presented this to his lawyer, but I might have paid more on the back end. In other words, this is his first major position in, you know, the traditional power schools, and, I mean, I know he... <clears throat> Vanderbilt and the SEC and did unbelievable things in consecutive years, uh, but I, I would want to have seen him prove himself before I'm paying him in the top ten in the country. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, interesting situation. I mean, it's kind of they're in a situation where they kind of have to lure people there, given what's gone on in recent years, uh, in the same light, uh, a lot of people would love to have it, and James Franklin was one of them. He's a Pennsylvania native, and he was, in effect, lobbying for the job, but, uh, you know, so he also got what he got what he wished for and a, and a big salary to boot, and just sticking with the Big Ten, number nine, this one I definitely wouldn't have picked. Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, being paid four million, over $4 million a year. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, they're a team that everybody knows. They're, uh, you know, in the hunt, but they're not winning championships. But they're, they're relevant, no question. But I just was surprised. Uh, they, they just would not have been either the school or the coach that I would have picked in the top ten of 
college football coaches' uh, salaries? John, actually, you know, they have uh, covered some of these things for a while, and it just always caught my fancy, so I would pay attention. And he he used to be, like, in the top five. He's been being really? paid a handsome salary, salary for quite a while. I mean, and you don't... He's a person that if you had to ask the average football fan or, or somebody who was not in tune with these salaries, that is the one uh, coach that everyone would have left off their list. Correct. He, he, he and to a degree the program fly under the radar. He's just that yes. type of a personality. But he's clearly appreciated out in Iowa. No question about that. Um. He's been there, gosh, I, I don't even remember when he came to Iowa, but it's been it's been over 10 years. I know that. Yes, well, he's in the Belichick coaching tree. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, longevity, I think, clearly counts for something here. Uh, obviously, Iowa, you know, the heart of America, they clearly uh, just appreciate what he's doing. Um you know, it's interesting, too, by the way. I, I'm a member of the Football Writers Association of America, which is college football. And Iowa has been really uh, out front. They, they've sent me, and I'm looking right at it, like the, uh, you know, they're a big book. <laughs> Literally, I'm holding it in my hand like a big binder on Carl Davis, who's on the defensive line. They're basically pushing him for Heisman. So, yeah, some emails and uh, from other schools just recently, but <clears throat> including Iowa. So I've gotten more emails than anybody from Iowa. They're the only college to send me a book on a particular player. So I find that interesting, you know, and that may somehow play into this, you know, again, of all the big colleges in America, you know, that the only one that has sent out a book on a player, i.e. ostensibly, you know, one would think like for the Heisman, but that's not realistically going to happen. But whatever, the Outland Trophy, whatever it is for them to be pushing this one player by sending out a book to, I assume, all the... Football Writers Association of America members, you know, postage, all of it, obviously the cost to print the book. I mean, it it really struck me. What do you think about that? I'm guessing that surprises you. Yeah, I mean, that's the old-fashioned method. Uh, It is quite – I didn't even know they continued that, uh, you know, to send something through the mail, John. I I thought by now it would be all strictly email, But, but I do know that, when you have to have them similar, they are, everybody does have um, some information that they provide the people in attendance. So, but I didn't realize they send it across the country as well. Yeah, and I'm not talking just any book. I'm talking, you know, I'm talking something pretty impressive here. It's, uh, you know, just like a notebook. And it just, uh, you know, with this guy featured, Carl Davis, All-America candidate, Bednarik Award candidate, Bronco Nagurski Trophy candidate, Lombardi Award candidate, Outland Trophy candidate, nice picture, high quality, 
Oh, and there's someone on the back here, Brandon Schreff, offensive lineman, candidate for a number of the similar awards. So, yeah, it's really, uh, you know, it's a clever idea. And it's a notebook that, you know, reporters like you and I can use. A lot of interesting facts on these two guys on the inside front cover and the inside back cover, so to speak. So it's different, that's for sure. Well, John, it caught your attention, so I, I guess, in, you know, if you're evaluating, it worked. Yeah, well, it just makes me think that, you know, I, I, we're, again, we're just tying this back to Kirk Ferentz's salary, which is, you know, they're, they're doing something right out there. I mean, the, you know, for them to be the only college in America to be sending these things out to the Football Writers Association that covers college football is pretty fascinating. You know, again, if you had to pick one school that would do it, I don't think anybody would have picked that school, and that's not in any way to demean Iowa. I've always liked Iowa. I'm from Pittsburgh, so I love their uniforms right off the bat. They look like the Steelers. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's just fascinating. Uh, And then at number 10, we have the old ball coach, Steve Spurrier. Um, There is a guy. You talk about someone who's earned their money, it's Steve Spurrier. I mean, he has literally put them on the map. I mean, they're always South Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, they're always talking about Carolina and Steve Spurrier. Just, I mean, the publicity he brings to that university. I mean, that $4 million in salary is, he generates so much more in, in income for those people in Columbia. He's underpaid. Absolutely. Well, AP, it's hard to believe, but we've come to the end of our show. Thank you. This was fun, talking about the college football playoff and the top college football salaries in America. And uh, it just is a season like no other. So ensure to get even more interesting as we go along. So thank you again for your expert perspective. Oh, thank you, John. I look forward to it the next time. My pleasure. All right. All right, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. 